Okay. <laughs> so, turns out we got something wrong. When I say we, I mean you. Oh, imagine that. So, one of our listeners, once again, Ryan, who's just on it. And also, if any of you find something, just send us a message. If you're like, hey, there's an alternative thing, we will give you a shout out. We'll bring it up and everything. So, the thing about us saying Shadim over and over again, like I just did, you're not supposed to say that. It, it, because it invites demons into your life. Oh, like saying Candyman three times in the mirror, like it'll make him appear. I like how you went with Candyman. I went with Beetlejuice. Oh, there you go. I think Candyman was three times too. Yeah, th- Beetlejuice is three times. I know that we just watched first. that the other night. But, oh, Beetlejuice. Oh, well, oh, we're gonna have to look that up because the original Candyman is like a, it, it's an older movie. But I think, hmm. Beetlejuice, I think, was 87 or 88. I feel like Beetlejuice probably came first. We'll have to look this up. This might be our correction for the next episode, but I feel like Beetlejuice probably came first. So we're not supposed to say the demon's name over and over again because like, we start inviting them around. There has been some weird shit happening in my house lately. Is it a Hebrew demon, Uh, as we talked about? Nah, it's just regular shit from an old house. (laughs) But that's good to know. That's good to know. Don't, Don't invite the demons in. Hmm. Isn't there a movie called Let the Right One In? Yes, it's about a little vampire girl, and they've remade it like four times. I think it's a series now. But the original, like, I think Russian one, or the most recent, or not recent, the first one that I saw was the best. The American version was, imagine this, it wasn't as good. Hot take, that's how I feel about The Office. (laughs) Oh. A bunch of people are like, we're done, click, can't trust these guys. Yeah. I like the British office better. Um, might be because I watched the British office first, and then I saw the American one. It's a, It was an education problem. I never really got into either one of them, but I do like the IT crowd, which is about British people in an office environment. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beer and Bible. <laughs> My name's Neil. I am the architect. Yes. And the lead questioner. Yes. Not the lead answer guy, because I just do all the questioning and research. And this is Chris, official Bible reader, super high functioning alcoholic, farmer, and resident evil guy, and now demonologist. Now it's resident evil guy, not resident evil guy. Mm, either one. And what are you drinking tonight? Oh, same old, same old. Just my Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPAs. I've got the Tall Boys tonight, so at the end of this, I'll be about three deep. I got two of them, so each one's like nineteen and a half ounces. So you can do the math. It's a weekday, and I'm just going to bring this up. I am drinking a Sanzo sparkling water. I was going to say, you've got to explain that. So it's like a La Croix. Well, except it's Asian-American-focused flavors and drink company. Oh, what's what flavor which, you got right now? I'm drinking an Asian pear. Mm. It's an Asian pear sparkling water from Sanzo. It's their like new, I think, limited edition one. How, what's, how's the taste different between a basic-ass American pear? I cannot tell you. <laughs> I can tell you this is a little fruity. It's it's like not quite lemony, not quite apple-y. Mm. It's somewhere in there. It's it's okay. It's pretty tasty. It's stronger than a than a La Croix or whatever. Yeah, that it's stronger than that. So the flavor is a little bit. Hey, I'm actually drinking something, but you're also not getting an Asian pear soda. And I think this is no sugar. It's just like juice, sparkling water. That's it. I like it tonight. We are moving into the rest of chapter 12, and we have talked about before about how the chapters were not originally in the Bible, so we have weird breaks. I would like to submit for your approval the breaking down of a section. So this is 1222 
through 1250. Mm -hmm. This would have three sections. You have a healing of a demon-possessed man and the objection of the Pharisees. Then you have the sign of Jonah. And then you have Jesus teaching on doing the will of the Father. Ooh, demons. So we're uh, we're going into the demons again, eh? Yes, yeah. I'm just glad that we've got the demon expert on here right now. <laughs> I am the farthest same from an expert you're going to find on this podcast. Some of the things that happens with Matthew is he's got things that are paired and also in, in threes. So you do have three objections to the Pharisees. You had the one where they're picking grain on the Sabbath, then healing on the Sabbath, and now we're getting into another objection from the Pharisees coming into this section. Mm. We also just had him explain that he is doing Messiah stuff. So now we're going to have him do more Messiah stuff. So just to see that that these three pieces that could all be linked together, as well as you could also cut it off right beforehand, take our last two episodes, and then move forward from here. I don't know exactly if that was a plan. Matthew as an author to create all these links where you can break it into sections and chunks that way, but it does seem to work where you could split it. You could either add this story tonight to the last two stories, or you can add it to the next two stories. Hmm. Okay. A little bit of a transition there. Okay. So, if you don't mind, how about you read 22 through 24? Yes. Then they brought him, Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Dun, dun, dun. Didn't you just talk about the Lord of the Flies earlier? <laughs> I did. <laughs> so this is this is kind of funny. It's kind of shitty for anybody that's like blind or mute to read or well to hear. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> does that mean like you're all possessed by demons, or is it just like this one was possessed by a demon? This is how it's turned out. Which I guess that is because didn't they heal demons at some other point like previous to this? And it's like yes. they weren't blind, deaf, or mute. They are they were or blind or mute. They were just like crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe that's so. It's just, kind of interesting. We have different cases in the Gospels that we'll talk about people that are just need to be healed because they're just sick, and then you have other special cases where it's specifically this person's sick because they are being demonized. The thing they forgot to write down on all these times they're coming across demons. It's got this like thing like burned into its forehead that's glowing, and it's got like tendrils coming out of it and spikes everywhere they're just like oh no it was uh you know they were just crazier they were blind and mute yeah i don't know how in the ancient world you're like oh no he's deaf or he's just blind instead of like no that guy's got eye demons it's like evil dead where when they get possessed by the demon it's still humanish but you can tell it's a demon it's like that bitch is possessed right there like the one that's crazy and ripping people's appendages off we're not sure if it's a demon or not. Has has it ripped any arms off? No? Okay, well, we don't know then. Well, walk over like, there and it? check. Tap it on the shoulder. <laughs> Interesting that you brought up the possession part, because in in the Bible, we don't really have the idea, or maybe it's so, more so in the Greek language, we don't really have the idea that someone is possessed like we see in the movies. It's more like demonized. So it doesn't have to take over your body as much as it might just exist around you and harass you. Oh. Kind of like my mom said that I was going to be like possessed or demonized when she found my like heavy metal CD collection under my bed that I hid. Yeah, hmm. I think that's probably true. The worst part was when she would sit there and read me the lyrics, and because you know they always had to have the fucking lyric in there with the, like the front of the CD case. You know, you slide out the little booklet, and she'd be like, "This is what you think is called like reading, you know, God hates us all or something, and like bathing in blood and stuff like Slayer album and like." 
That's not the part I like. It's the riffs. It's the riffs, Mom. Come on. She didn't know what the fuck a riff was. Mom, but it was the truth. So anyway, That's back to, to be this seen. person that did not turn out okay. Or I guess they so, did yeah. They did turn out okay. Because it's Jesus. Yeah, and I can't even imagine that, that whole concept of being like, you can hear everybody talking about you the whole time. You can't say anything back, and you can't see them. Hmm. How much would that suck? I would just start swinging my stick or pole or whatever, just start smashing people on the head. Maybe yeah. that's why they thought they were demon possessed because they were going around beating people for talking shit. <laughs> Make a movie um, about that, Mel Gibson. Come on. Yeah, get with it. <laughs> so when it talks about the son of David, it could be referring to and Jesus being the Messiah. We see that in there. And then when it says utos, it says this man. It's specifically like this man. So it doesn't, back to your question about, well, does it mean any sort of person that has a, a demon possession? What does it mean? Like, does everybody have eye demons? Anyone that's blind? Is it, well, no. This specific one has a demon problem. One. Mm. And then we get the conversation of like, you know, they, they thought he was casting them out. Well, some people think that he was a sorcerer, and that's, that is actually a shared Jewish belief on this, on, on Jesus. That Jesus so, okay, I can see that because of all the things like water into wine, this stuff, this and like seeing all the shit they've never seen before. Uh, but they, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they would think he's some kind of sorcerer. Yeah, that makes complete yeah. fucking sense. And it makes sense why they would have killed him off as well, because you have to explain why this person who existed in your culture was eventually killed off. And you got this one group that thinks that he is literally God on Earth, and then you need to have your alternative story. You need to have your explanation of what really happened. I'm going to be reading this as a section from Bavli Sanhedrin 43a. And a herald proceeds him. This implies only immediately before the execution, but not previous thereto, in contradiction to this, it was taught. On the eve of Passover, Yeshu, this is Jesus, was hanged for 40 days before the execution took place. A herald went forth and cried, He is going forth to be stoned because he has practiced sorcery and enticed Israel to apostasy. And anyone who can say anything in his favor, let him come forward and plead on his behalf. But since nothing was brought forward in his favor, he was hanged on the eve of Passover. So that is this idea of like, okay, we had this guy, he was committing sorcery, so he's doing magic tricks and then leading people to apostasy. This would be people, this is, if you go around and you claim that I am a prophet from God and you tell them, and God doesn't want you to do the Torah, the, the things that God said to do, that would be considered something that's worth being stoned for yeah. you would be put to death and this is again looking at Torah and all that kind of stuff and we're not talking about the historicity of second temple judaism right now what we're sharing is the story that they were planning on putting him to death and they understood one he's doing magic tricks that he shouldn't be doing and sorcery is something that has the death penalty within the torah and then you also have him telling the, the or they're explaining that jesus was telling people to turn away from god or giving them an alternative approach to God, which sort of makes sense because if you're looking at Christianity, which once the Gentiles were more involved, you start moving away from all the Jewishness. If we didn't move away from the Jewishness, all of the Christians would look just like the Jewish people. <laughs> like, like You'd be walking down the street and be like, are those Hasidic Jews or evangelicals? <laughs> so, so there is a very clear break, and that's history reports it. This explanation of Bavli Sanhedrin 43a helps us understand like the Jewish teaching about, about him. So he was arrested, and then for 40 days, they weren't going to put Jesus to death just because they didn't like him. What they wanted to do is see if anybody would come to his defense. Somebody else would show up and say, actually, this guy's cool. Don't worry about it. He actually didn't do any magic tricks. I watched him 
for three years, he did not turn any water to wine. That, that way they could just... get their ass, too, and hang their fucking ass up. Well, <laughs> I'm, yeah, just, maybe, I don't know, I'm just kidding. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but the point was that they wanted to have a trial, and nobody came to defend Jesus. Mm. So that's how that story goes. Their story is, we did everything the right way, and no one showed up. Ula retorted, do you suppose that he was one for whom the defense could be made? He Was he not a misset, an enticer? You know, did he did he stoke the fire? Did he get people riled up concerning whom the scripture says, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him, Deuteronomy 13.9. So again, this is rabbinic. If you're going to make a rabbinic argument, you need to cite the Torah. With Yeshu, however, it was different, for he was connected with the government or royalty or influential. So that's the uh, Bavli Sanhedrin. So we're going to continue on another section. And in the place, he accuses him of having invented his birth from a virgin, and upbraids him with the with being born in a certain Jewish village of a poor woman for the country who gained her subsistence by spinning. So Mary was a spinner and who was turned out of the doors by her husband, a carpenter by trade, because she was convicted of adultery that after being driven away by her husband and wandering about for a time, she disgracefully gave birth to Jesus, an illegitimate child who, having hired himself out as a servant in Egypt on account of his poverty and having a, there acquired some miraculous powers on which the Egyptians greatly pride themselves. Yeah, you like this origin story? <laughs> I like this. This is like Jesus Begins. <laughs> this is way more interesting. Returned to his own country, highly elated on account of them, and by means of these proclaimed himself a god. Bum, bum, bum. Contra, Selsum uh, 128, uh, Bavli Shabbat 104b, and Bavli Sanhedrin 67a. So I'm giving you all the sources. Like, yeah. that, that, come here that's to pretty interesting. I, that's, <laughs> that's some yeah. Stan Lee shit. Yeah, yeah. So he goes to Egypt and he trains under Egyptian sorcerers and then comes back and uses that to claim himself God. Yeah. This Egyptian yeah. sorcerers did like really well against Moses. Those are definitely the guys I would go after, go to get <laughs> trained from. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and read 25 through 27. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Oh, this is going to be interesting. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. What's the word for Satan in there? I'm interested. That, that, but that's for another time. Yeah, most likely it's just going to be something that's just going to be a, a, from Hebrew, then transliterated. So translation is you take the concept or the idea of the word and translate it into the new word. Transliterated is you take the word from one language and then write it in such a way that can be read in the new language. Mm, gotcha. I was wondering because like of all the, when I was doing that demon research, I never found anything talking about Satan. So Jesus is dropping Satan here. It's like, who the fuck is that? Like, I couldn't find that anywhere in the Old Testament. Uh, it should be in Job. Is actually. it? Well, yeah. and this is me. This is idiot boy using Google on the computer and trying to find like credible websites. So, with beer, poss- maybe, maybe, or maybe not beers in play too. So, just add yeah. to my credibility. Yeah, I think we're going to be in a in a good place with this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going, keep going, keep going. 
<laughs> All right, so he says that he notices, like he knows what they're thinking. So some people think like Jesus is just super astute. They look really angry. I see it on their faces. And then other people think that he's reading minds. <laughs> so I don't know, but it doesn't require God-like abilities in this case. Could you be like, I know what you're thinking. I see your face. And that's it. Um, stand is actually usually used in Greek and Semitic languages to mean remain. When it says he's standing there, so remain here. I love this. that It's a reduction to absurdity that you take one idea. Somebody says, if this, then this. And then Jesus is going, well, in that case, if that, then this. And he's just leading it to the to its end. So let's talk a little bit about demon casting out from back in the day. Is this going to be like step-by-step instructions or what? Uh, we're going to get close to that. We're going to get some <laughs> writing of Josephus about how they did it. Nice. You ready for this? Let's do it. The apocryphal book of Tobit includes descriptions of an exorcism. When they finished eating and drinking, the girl's parents wanted to retire. They brought the young man out of the dining room and led him into the bedroom. At this point, Tobias... This sounds a lot... Wow, I forgot about this. This sounds like a little dirtier than I expected. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At this point, Tobias, mindful of Raphael's instruction, took the fish's liver and heart from the bag, which he had with him, and placed them on the embers for the incense. The demon repelled by the odor of the fish fled into Upper Egypt. Raphael pursued him there and bound him hand and foot. And that actually sounded way easier than that Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves. Let me just fry some fish up and get this demon the fuck out of here and send him in them shithead Egyptians. Fry it with some incense. Oh, I didn't think about fish. the incense. That might smell like good. I don't know. I'll fry up some fish. Like, I could cook some fish on the cast iron with some butter, some garlic. You throw some random other shit in there. Don't forget, it was fish liver, I think. Yeah, took the fish's liver and heart from the bag. Hey, that's one of the best organs you can consume. I mean, not necessarily fish, but just in general. Livers are good good to eat. Uh, that's true. <laughs> they might not. The consistency might be a little, like, weird for some people, but it's it's very dense in nutrients. Yeah. All right, Maybe the, the demon just from... wanted some pork rinds or something. <laughs> That's the problem about being Jewish. You just don't have any pork <laughs> rinds around for demon exercising. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read from Josephus. Josephus gives us this notice. God also enabled him, Solomon, not like the Solomon, I, I don't think. I think, it, I don't know. I don't know which Solomon this Everybody is. Everybody was named Solomon after that one dude came through. Good point. With all the concubines. I, I would name my son Solomon. Yeah. That sounds like a king name to me. It's, it means good luck. Yeah. God also enabled him, Solomon, to learn that skill which expels demons, which is a science useful and sanative sanitive to men. He composed such incantations also by which distempers are alleviated. I don't know what distempers is. Like, just like you have a bad mood. <laughs> All right, right on. And he left behind him the manner of using exorcism by which they drive away demons so that they never return. And this method of cure is a great force unto this day. For I have seen a certain man of my own country, whose name is Eliezer, releasing people that were demonically and in the presence of Vespasian and his sons and his captains and the whole multitude of his soldiers. The manner of this cure was this. He put a ring that had the root of one of those sorts mentioned by Solomon to the nostrils of the demoniac, after which he drew out the demon through the nostrils when the man (laughs) fell down immediately. He abjured him to return into him no more, making still mention of Solomon and reciting the incantations which he composed when Eliezer 
would persuade and demonstrate to his spectators that he had such a power. He set a little way off a cup or basin full of water and commanded the demon as he went out of the man to overturn it and thereby let the spectators know that he had left the man when this was done. The skill and the wisdom of Solomon was shown very manifestly, which reason it is that all men may know the vastness of Solomon's abilities and how he, beloved of God, and the extraordinary virtues of every kind with which this king was endowed may not be unknown to any people under the sun. For this reason I say, it is that we have proceeded to speak so largely of these matters. Antiquities, 845-49. That was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I love the whole thing. It's like very Ghostbusters, you know. Put on this ring, put a root in it, and then like shove it up the guy's nose pull the demon out through the nose and then command it so that everybody knows that you actually did it to go turn over a a basin of water. I think that's really interesting. And then here's another story. This is from a guy named Tim Hegg who thinks that this trick of the demon seems very, very much like magic compared with the words of Jesus. If the Pharisees were accusing him of magical arts and if they were using equal weights and measures, they would have to admit that their own disciples were likewise using magic to compare their exorcism. If their disciples are doing what is right, then they should exonerate Jesus on the same grounds. I really love that idea of like, you're calling me out. This is how you guys do it. That makes sense. And Jesus is always quick to call somebody out like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. (laughs) Would you read 28 through 30? I would be much obliged. But if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again... How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Some bold words. I like that. He comes with the fucking heat there at the end. Oh, yeah. And this goes back to earlier. So am I stronger than your God, or am I stronger than God if I can drive out demons using someone else's name? Like, bitch, sit down. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so earlier, this is last episode, we were talking about the section Isaiah where it's pointing to Jesus being the Messiah or him him like saying that I'm doing Messiah stuff. So here he is doing Messiah stuff in order to do this. This is what it's pointing to. It just clicked for me because he's like, because he's like, so you guys are trying to start some shit. Like, look, one, I'm not using demons. So you've got to admit your fault at one point. It's like, let me see if I can put my thoughts together on this. So he's like, one, I just cast demons out. So either my shit, my demon God is stronger than your God because I was able to, it worked. Or two, I'm stronger than your God and was able to like put him in the corner so that I could do this shit. Or three, I'm actually of your God and he's working through me to do this shit. Which one? Would you feel more comfortable with, and which one makes more fucking sense? I love that breakdown. I love the way that Jesus just outlogics them, just yeah. puts them in their corner. Because there's no win for them, because they're like, no, it was demons, so that means our God is weaker. Of course they have to say, well, you're working with our God, because our God is the strongest. Because any there's no way out of that. You know, It's the checkmate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is this idea that you can cast out demons on, on the basis of just of one one devil like switching out the other but jesus is like to what benefit like if right. i'm if i am of the of satan what what there is no benefit for me to do that 
So throughout Matthew, we've said kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. That's been a big theme in Matthew. And then it switches over to kingdom of God. Why would he do that? Now, these essentially are synonymous. You can switch them in and out. But why would he specifically use that term in this case to contrast the kingdom of Satan? Hmm. So he's not saying the kingdom of Hades versus the kingdom of, of heaven. It's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. So that would be the the dichotomy there. And notice this this actually doesn't require a divine Messiah. I kind of like where you said that, that I am of God when you were talking about Jesus. What's he pointing to? Again, I'm not trying to discredit the concept or the idea of a divine Messiah. What I'm trying to do is just help us understand when the scripture is calling for it and when the scripture is not calling for it. And this is a case where you can just have somebody that is of God or working with God and do these things. You could have a prophet that would do these things and it wouldn't necessarily mean that that prophet is God incarnate. Just to clarify that. I I got it. All right, so Satan is the strong man. Jesus is the one who enters the house and renders him powerless. To summarize that really quickly, also Isaiah 49, 24 uses the same logic as far as the overpowering and things like that. So what we're seeing is if he's saying, if he's going to make an argument, they should be able to recognize, oh yeah, we've, we've heard a very similar argument in our scriptures. Just still backing himself up with all, with all the Bible. <laughs> I like it. Uh, oh, he's right, throwing it in their faces. Oh, yeah. All right, let's do 31 through 32. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. I'm confused again. You and everybody else. This, nobody knows. What is this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Because we got this like... He's like, that's my friend, and if you fuck with him, you fuck with me. Uh, yeah, maybe. I I don't know. So let's... let's. I'm going to give you Matthew a bunch of options. Matthew is chilling next to him once he like fixed one too many weddings in a night, and he's just like, I'm, I'm telling y'all, like, y'all are my homies. And like, I may have like partied hard tonight, but like, y'all are my homies, homies. But like, the Holy Spirit... Like, if y'all fuck with him, I'm telling you, like, y'all are fucked. So just just so you know, just, and they're all like, what the fuck is going on? Everybody's just like, let it be known, do not fuck with the Holy Spirit. I, I heard a guy named Mark Moore who said something very similar. His idea was that you can say something about him to himself and call him out on something, but if you ever say something to him about his wife, he's going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. And that kind of idea of maybe it's some sort of relation thing. If you don't say anything about the Holy Spirit, Ooh. we're going to break this down a little bit more. So it may be connected to the context of saying miracles did by Jesus were actually by the Spirit. Like he just did something miraculous, and then they said, "Oh, it's of Satan." So kind of the context sort of leans towards that idea. It could be even the Son of Man. Good works are done by person by any person or just Jesus. Is that what the issue is here? Or if you are aligning yourself, not with a strong man, but you're aligning yourself with the man in the house, then you're of the devil. So if you're going like, you're the devil, and we're with the people that, that the other side, like, they could be that. If, if you are not, like, we're calling you the devil, and then Jesus is like, fine, if you're calling me on one side, that means you're obviously on the opposite side, which now puts you on the side of Satan. Mm. Yep. So it's it, it's kind of a weird thing. If it, Whoever's not my friend is now my enemy sort of thing. So that could be it. Uh, the sin will not be forgiven in the world to come, and that's a big deal. So that's like being guilty of an eternal sin. Why is the blasphemy against the Spirit 
greater than against Jesus. Maybe there's a Godhead hierarchy. I don't know. Or maybe you uh, you can attack the envoy Jesus, but you can't attack the emperor. Like you can you can you know you can kill Jesus, you can put him to a cross. That's okay. But once you start insulting the one who sent him, him being sent by the Spirit or by God, then that's that's worse. So here are a couple of options. So uh, blasphemy, uh, blasphemy is slander. So anyone slandering against the Holy Spirit, they have been given a revelation, and then they're still rejecting it. Witnesses to a clear miraculous event and work in the community, yet you're still slandering it. Experience it, the word of God and should know that this is the age to come. Like You should be aware of it. So this could work because you could say, well, the point is that you should be in line with Christianity. So this would be kind of a, a religious exclusion. So you would say Christianity is the right one. Anyone that's rejecting Christianity is therefore blasphemous against the Holy Spirit or this Judeo-Christian God. So then you are not with the Holy Spirit, therefore you are against it. That Back to that whole team's idea. Mm. They still reject Jesus, the one who the Spirit points to. It's not blasphemy that's the issue here, that it's the impenetrable attitude of willful disbelief. It's not that you are against Jesus. It's not like one day you get pissed and you say, I'm done with this God thing. It's the continuation of it. So... That would be, I am steadfast, I've decided not to follow Jesus, and I'm going to continue my own way. And so it's blasphemy of the Spirit isn't saying one thing. It is you're living your life for eternity that way. And so it would be like, well, I can't forgive you for something that you never asked for forgiveness for. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That explanation clicks. Okay. Okay, that's one. That's another one. (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh, no, I only need that one. Just don't tell me anymore. Just do the church thing. Just don't tell me any other direction to go. Yeah, they're just so. There are there are so many. I don't know. The one I'm just I'm kidding. The, completely. Yeah, good yeah. No, no. I would say there are two main beliefs on this, and there are millions of others. And there's little nuances in each one of them. I would say one is you are continuously choosing the one, the team against God. So God says, like, you need to be part of me. You be this, and the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit would be. I'm going to reject everything. So it's not a like a, a one time thing. You said one thing when you were. 10 years old and you're condemned to hell forever and ever. It's just, oh my goodness, I I just didn't change. Like God says, hey, you need to change. You need to get back on the program. And you say, no, I'm never going to do that. That would be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So it's unforgivable because you're not really asking for forgiveness. So that would be one. And the other one would be more of like slandering the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about this idea that maybe there's a hierarchy in the Godhead that you can mess with the messenger, Jesus, but you can't mess with the emperor, the Holy Spirit, or God. So there's that idea. In the context, it's all within the idea of calling what Jesus did, which was casting these demons out by the Holy Spirit and calling that of Satan. And that one, to me, fits the context better to take what God has said is good and to say, no, that's evil. That still is a little concerning because you could probably do that in a, in a much smaller way. You know, what, what, what is the threshold of at what point have you called something bad good by accident? Christianity has not figured this one out. Mm. We've had the Bible for a really long time. I'm trying to look at what I can in the context, and that seems to be the best one. It has something to do with calling what God is doing evil. I gotcha. I get but, it. But, but as we said earlier, it could just be like the, the idea of, never accepting it, which also works in the context because these Pharisees are hearing this and, and Jesus is showing them the signs. I'm doing Messiah stuff. Like, get on board. And they're like, 
That's evil. That is the <laughs> that, that is Satan. That is the spawn of Satan. And so it might be at this moment seeing Jesus doing things and they're just rejecting him and getting they're not going to go get with the program. So maybe that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So again, the correct scholarly answer is I don't know. <laughs> but at least we're uh, consistent here at Beer and Bible. That's what we're striving for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> consistent products. All right, hey, let's read 33. 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. How are you going to know who's who's on which side? Look at look at what they're producing. Look at how they're acting. The word there could also be considered suppose or consider. That's that idea of look to. Like, hey, well, I'm going to use an example here. Look at this. Have you ever thought about how fruits, how fruit trees are like this? Yeah, that's you guys. <laughs> that's you. That's you guys. Use guys. Yeah. Some people are saying that the Pharisees here again. We've talked about this a little bit over well, a lot of bit. That we're not using a broad brush. Pharisees in Christianity aren't Pharisees equal bad and Christians equal good. You got to like look at it as okay. Pharisees is a group like Pharisees are Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians or Green Party or, you know, like a group of people where where you can kind of say, ah, they're not all terrible because hopefully, gosh, I really hope you've got friends across the aisle that <laughs> you're like, no, this guy's really cool, but has some stupid ideas. Yeah. And then you meet other people who are like, this guy is not cool and has some stupid ideas. <laughs> The the, so the these, previous of those or like the earlier is like literally every one of my friends. We all have some stupid ideas. It, oh, it's yeah. a political thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's read thirty four through thirty five. You, oh man, now he's Jesus is getting pissed. You brood of vipers! How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Offspring of vipers. Like he, I like how he's like the son of man, and you guys are offsprings of vipers. So it's like, it's like demotion. Like you guys aren't even like the real snakes. You're the, the bottom rung of snakes. You are full snakes. But you're not even like good ones. Fun hurt fact. Actually, yeah. young vipers are unable to control their venom. So it, it, you, it's more dangerous and more deadly for you to get bitten by a subadult or young viper or, or, or venomous snake, period, than it is for an adult. Because an adult can control their venom load and they don't want to like abuse it. They don't want to lose it because it case, takes time to regenerate that. So it's, it's more deadly to get bitten by a, a young um, and I think maybe not especially pit vipers, but, but yeah, that, that works for them too. So you don't want to get bitten by a young or a juvenile venomous snake. What? Do they have to make mistakes to learn from them or do uh, they- it's just, yeah, they're, they're young and dumb. And so like they'll unleash their full load. In fact, there's people that have been bitten by like recorded cases where they've been bitten by adult pit vipers and have been okay and had like no reaction. It's known as a dry bite where they won't even put venom in. They'll just hit and they're old and they know, and they're like, I just want you to fuck off, get away from me because I can't eat you. This is a warning bite. And the next one, I might fucking kill you. They'll hit you with a dry bite. If you go away, boom. So they they have some control over their venom glands and like excreting that venom into their fangs as they pierce you like a hypodermic needle. Whereas juveniles don't. They have no control over that. They haven't learned that yet. They can do full doses and overdoses in their bite. So you're more likely to be killed by a juvenile venomous snake. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Man, 
So even hey, here you go. The Jesus is Jesus already knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah. How weird is so, that? Like you brood, you you for, young vipers. <laughs> but I, I dig that. I like that idea of you guys are gonna really mess some people up because he does call them out for leading people astray. I don't want to read too much into it. I don't. I, I know you can. That is maybe reading into it because you know Jesus wasn't a sorcerer or anything. So, He's Jesus early, Christ, comma scientist. <laughs> Better than some other books I've read have <laughs> names like that. Hey, anyways, so John the Baptizer uses this for the Pharisees and the Sadducees in John 3, 7. He calls them vipers here. Matthew's going to use it again for the Pharisees later on in the book. And also, is this like a connection to the evil one? You are like the snake in the garden, potentially. So, anyways, hey, last section here, 36 through 37. Great. That's good, because I'm about to pee in my pants. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Damn it. <laughs> for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I'm this fucked. This is all in that section about we're talking about somebody about blasphemy the Holy Spirit, which makes me concerned because I'm like, maybe I did say this one thing when I was 12, and now I'm screwed. That's it. You know, I don't know what what the line is here, or is it that continuation of like you guys basically didn't get with the program and you kept saying stupid stuff, and you guys are gonna have to be held to account, even if like the stuff that you don't think matters. Once you made that decision to continue to speak against me, you're screwed. So that still fits the two main definitions we've talked about. Let's get into some more Jewish reading here. Draw me not away with the wicked and the workers of iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors, but evil is in their hearts. Psalms 28.3, Rabbi Abba Bar-Zera said, Even in the shortcomings of the tribes you discover their worth, for it is said of them, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. That is, what was in their hearts was also in their mouths of others. However, as of Abraham, as it is said, Absalom spoke unto Amnon, neither good nor bad. This is a story from Second Samuel. So, oh, gotcha. Yeah, just like these are references to people. That is, what was in Absalom's heart was not in his mouth. So that comes from Midrash Psalms 28.4. Rabbi Samuel taught in the name of Rabbi Judah, if a man tells you when the day of, their, of redemption is coming, do not believe him, for it is written, the day of vengeance shall be in my heart. Lies! Three, four. <laughs> Lies! <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> so whenever you see those guys holding the, the picket signs, like, nope, nope, the day is not nigh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if the heart does not disclose its secrets to the mouth, how can the mouth disclose anything? Midrash Psalms 9-2. Last, all right, last Jew, Jew verse here today. <laughs> Probably not the right way to say that. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, withhold your foot from being unshod and your throat from thirst, Jeremiah twenty twenty five. i.e., withhold yourself from sin, lest you, your foot shall become unshod. Withhold your tongue from idle speech, lest your throat become dry or faint with thirst. So basically just shut up. Just chill. Just don't say anything stupid. If words that are useless draw judgment, how much more on those that speak against judgment? So if you can say all that stuff and you can get in trouble and people will come after you, like you say something stupid and then you end up in court for it or you tweeted something 16 years ago and it turns out to be like now judged as inappropriate, like that's going to come back and bite you. So in the same way, if you say something about Jesus, how much worse is it going to be? That would be one way of looking at this. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to read it. This is going to be from Mishnah Avot 2.1. I thought it was going to be done, but let's do this be meticulous in small religious duty as in a large one for you do not know what sort of reward is coming for any of the various religious duties 
and reckon with the loss required in carrying out a religious duty against the reward of, for doing it, and the reward for co- committing a transgression against the for the loss for doing it, and keep your eye on three things, so you will not come into the clutches of transgression. Know what is above you, an, an eye which sees, and an ear which hears, and all of your actions are written down in a book. Midrash vote to one. So do everything to the best of your ability. Don't look at anything as small. Like you're just, ah, I'm just shooting the breeze. I just said this, like maybe not look at it that way. Maybe just be careful with your words. And these are all Jewish texts reflecting on this. I'm saying that here are examples where similar things are said to what Jesus just said that are found in Jewish literature. So again, like, I don't know. I'm, I don't really like ending on this note because I don't want to have any sort of like lesson of, Hey everybody, we should all be careful of it. Yeah, watch what you say. Like, I don't care what you guys do. <laughs> and if, like, if anyone should be in trouble for their words when it comes to religious stuff, I think you and I would be up there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to pretend that's not the case, but yeah, probably. Yeah. So yeah, this is our first section or our last section, depending if you want to pair this with the earlier <laughs> meetings with the Pharisees or if you want to pair this with the next two stories in Matthew 12. Anyways, hope you guys had a good time tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Learned some stuff. If you didn't, that's cool. Either way, hit us up on social media um, or, or anywhere. at Or Instagram, at Beer and Bible Show. That's probably the best way at this point. And look for the mug in the cross across the board. And let us know what you think. Talk some shit. Say hey. Give us your corrections. We will. Ryan, we're watching you, dude. We're looking at you. We appreciate it. Yeah, we'll take anything. Love love getting this feedback. We are not the end-all, be-all of Bible stuff. We just hope that we're somewhat entertaining and just a good look at it. There are other people. There are other studies. There are other books. There's, you know, Google things. Find more stuff. Do what you can. We're not the end of your study, hopefully, or your interest in religious weirdness. Yes. But thanks for tuning in, and we love you guys. See you next time. All right. Bye.